Hi, this is Cliff Krigo for the picture-poems.com website and the circle in the square. Thanks for tuning in. The Me-We Index. What's that all about? Well, it's March the 28th, Saturday, 2020. And in this exponential time coronavirus uh, new era that we're in, I wanted to dialogue together on the relationship between the individual and the collective. First up is that um, we're dealing with a with the individual and collective. We're dealing with a uh, complementarity, in my view. In other words, it's a, a circle, and it's a circle that becomes a cycle, and that cycle is turning. So it's a question of balance. I'm seated down here at uh, Heartbreak Meadow Base Camp. That's about uh, 420 meters. And uh, it's still very much uh, mountain winter. So we're right about at the freezing line. So zero centigrade. It's very calm. It's 5.30 in the morning, natural time about. And with the earth turning, I'm facing, sitting in my... uh, Wonderful mountain winter tint looking through the vestibule. Bromi is its name. And I can sense very much like uh, the great Bucky Fuller used to talk about uh, the earth uh, turning. There's a raven just waking up. So this is about time the ravens go down to their office. They wake up right about this time and start uh, heading down creek, downstream. So what they're doing is making, uh, of course they want to get warm too, how they manage to get through the night is a uh, mystery to me that I would very much like to understand because they're quite a bit better at it than we are. But they'll go down and uh, uh, forage, do, talk, strong family units. And they come back cyclical. Um, The end of the um, mountain winter, just the beginning of mountain spring, end of March. Spring equinox here in the northern hemisphere. Right around uh, 16, 17 hours natural time. That's, uh, I abbreviate that capital NT and encourage uh, everybody to tune into that time instead of this twice yearly um, jolt and confusion to our time phenological system. So that could be a theme of another dialogue, rooting in natural time. Well, me, we, 
relationship. So there you have it. Life is a movement of relationship. I think that's uh, true. And it's a beautiful way of thinking and being suggested some 40, 50 years ago by Jiru Krishnamurti. Life is a movement of relationship. So once you get that, then you start uh, walking and eventually running and flying like the ravens with that thought. Well, a primary relationship is between the collective and the individual. The we and the me. And it is what we call in philosophy a perennial problem. That means that it never goes away. Regardless of how we think about it, we can ignore it, uh, we can worship it, we can despise it, uh, but it's always going to be there. Like our relationship with water, even if we want to leave our wonderful mother spaceship Earth and go to Mars or another solar system, we're still going to have to deal with that problem of water. Well, so it is with the relationship with me and we. The individual and the collective. Well, if we step back from that a little bit, why is it so important in this corona era of exponential time well, up here, the circle of um, nature uh, has, by and large, with the pandemic, it's the 28th of March, so this has been creeping up on us in North America. We're in Northeast Oregon. There's a flicker. It's been creeping up on us uh, since uh, right around um, New Year. And has quite suddenly taken over the world's consciousness in a way. And... Uh, when you look at the strain of a climbing rope, you're looking for frays, potential breaks. And those breaks, uh, think of them as like contradictions. And so that's what we're looking at when we scan the world rope and we're looking around us at all these, what do they call them, nation-states. Well, the nation-state is itself, when we're thinking of the whole of human consciousness, a kind of contradiction. 
So you see strains and stresses in the rope, and you're hoping that it's not going to break. But there were a lot of things in the world that we uh, tacitly, silently refused to look at that are now, if we have that privilege of sitting together and discussing philosophy at the present moment. Don't forget there are many of us that don't have that privilege. But if we're seated here comfortably in our late winter camp and meditating on this and wanting to understand it together, well, you see all the contradictions coming out very clearly. And that's what I want to go into with this uh, new stream of dialogue tapes. Because um, as the Chinese say, who is it that called it the Chinese virus? Well... As the Chinese say, in crisis is opportunity, and that's true because we're looking at all these contradictions all of a, all of a sudden become self-evident. We, me, an index, a way of thinking about the relationship of me and we, the individual and the collective. So, in this strain and stress of the world rope, we see this contradiction of world states. That means nation states. That means that everybody's kind of doing their own thing. And that's very interesting uh, because you see the cultural, philosophical, spiritual differences, but you see the differences in economic and relationship with science. Um, but what I wanted to focus on this morning is you see the difference, just using our soon-to-be-not-defined-but-described we-me index. Obviously, because a virus uh, does not discriminate between American, Russian, Australian, Chinese... Nigerian, South African, Japanese, or whatever. Does it discriminate at all? Well, science is still trying, scrambling to understand that. So we're obviously, like I always say, what is the geometry of life? Is it two guns pointed at each other? Or is it a circle? We're all brothers and sisters, you and I, the rock, the river, the tree, the sky. Well, here this morning, the 28th of March, 2020, it feels like a circle to me. I hear that flicker. There's a yellow-bellied sapsucker. Now, I don't see these avian brothers and sisters. I'm listening. That flicker must be a good 300 meters away. 
So it takes almost a full second for that sound to get here. Think of that. But they're out there marking their um, circle. Early morning meditation for them. And maybe this is a little bit early in the season, so the species are returning. I heard a song sparrow, sparrow just uh, last Sunday, so a week ago. And this would be the arrival of the um, tree swallow. They talk about collective. Um, so they'll come up to here with a whole band of as many as a hundred uh, adult birds. And they use the aspen groves and uh, use perhaps a hole drilled by a flicker or a yellow-belly sapsucker or a pileated woodpecker. Just a hole, a cavity for nesting sites. And when I first came here, about 10 years ago, on April the 1st, it took a few years to figure that out. Uh, but this is about the time they would return. Well, they no longer return. So, their circle of life has changed. They're adapting. Uh, but they... Uh, Evidently, uh, because of a hotter and drier climate, the aspen groves here. Don't forget the me-we of an aspen grove. You see many individual trees. And I'm looking at two marvelous aspen groves. Right outside the vestibule of the tent. Let's get a better view here. So I'm going to turn this light off. Sun to light. Don't want to waste our sun charge. We're speaking with sun charge, sun to sound. I'm looking out. They're nowhere near budding out yet, but the buds of the aspen, very closely related to the balsam poplar. The aspen is the most common species in North America, and in the Pacific Northwest is in very steep decline. So I'm looking at two ancient groves. Now we have no idea of how old those groves are, but we do know that the aspen um, is really one underground root organism. And the individual trees, a healthy aspen grove, excuse me, um, has three generations. You have the matriarchs, those will be older trees, a hundred years or more. Then you have the middle-agers that will be in their 50s and 60s. And then you have the saplings coming up. Well, all three generations, sometimes they're not even present. That's what could happen to us with this virus. Um, all three generations are uh, having... Um, big problems. It's called uh, sad, sudden aspen decline or death. And these groves can be thousands of years old. There's one in Colorado that's uh, famous. 
um, that uh, they estimate is one of the oldest living organisms on Earth. But we'll stick with our theme, me and we. You see, the me of the aspen grove is the individual tree. And if we were very naive and didn't know our aspen, we would assume that, well, gee, they're just growing together, so it is a collective, but we think they're independent. But actually, they're a sign of a very strong and powerful uh, collective uh, unity. So we and me. Well, up here, we're all very much in the circle of life, brothers and sisters. Well, that instantly puts the geometry of relationship Relationship always has some sort of a pattern that if we convert it into space, just for a highly abstract but powerful way of thinking, we can kind of uh, visualize and meditate on the relationships. Well, um, we and me. So... Maximum we, I'm suggesting, just as a way of thinking, try this out and see how it works and fits, is a 10. Minimum we would be a 0. Maximum me would be a 10. And minimum me would be a 0. So now that we have that measure, without going into more deeply what we and me actually are. We'll do that in a moment. Well, you can say, well, there's a culture, there's a nation-state, that's a group of people, that's a, uh, a nine, a nine we and a one me. It's always got to add up uh, to ten in our new we-me index. And it's an interesting way of thinking, I think, because that rope, again, we're looking at the phrase and the potential. We don't want that rope to break. And that ties us all together in one circle of humanity. So we're looking at the contradictions. And this balance of we and me in crisis times is of the essence. So you can hear it's very quiet here. There's a hint of a mountain spring rain on top of snow, but only a hint. There's very low stratus, very thick, almost motionless, as if the earth has stopped turning. So it's very quiet. And as you can hear, there are no cars. That's why those flickers are still echoing each other back and forth. If you put a car or a snow machine here, they'll retreat. They'll pull back. I'm not making this up. 
you have to come up here and stay here a long time in order to tune in to that circle that includes all our avian and boreal friends. Like the Japanese say, if you want to know the mountains, go to the mountains. Well, that's true, and so why don't we do that? Well, I guess it's because we don't have time. See, there's an irregular drumming. Everything has its rhythm. We, me, well, in like everything, the world is sound. Nada Brahma, the world is sound. Now you can take that as an idea philosophically and turn that around in dialogue and look at it. But it can also become a uh, life way. That's how it is for me. So sound is uh, both abstract and concrete always at the same time. So if we don't see it that way, then we're neglecting an aspect. So, what is the we-me of sound? Well, we have that primary metaphor. The primary metaphor of um, the orchestra. The life, life, the circle of life. The geometry of life is not two guns pointed at each other. You can easily make it that. Here where I'm living and working in Northeast Oregon, it's by far, even among so-called progressives, the ever-present dominant uh, metaphysics that's always silently corrupting perception under the surface of consciousness. So it's a very powerful metaphysics. If you want to see it in yourself, think of the contrarian. There are many uh, in English-speaking cultures, and that's uh, it's a part of thought that if you say A, I'll instantly spit out uh, not A or B. So uh, I don't listen to what you say, but you say, uh, oh, it's a Chinese virus. And then I'll say, no, it's a Belgium virus or whatever. And so it doesn't matter what the content is. It just matters that I want to be dominant in the movement of relationship. And its key feature is that it's uh, utterly mechanical. Well, many of us have become like that. And it's not a characteristic of the individual, where there you have it again, we and me, but it's a characteristic of consciousness and thought itself. And we're just not proprioceptively aware of it. But if you're aware of it, then it becomes very fascinating. You say, why the hell would I do that? Every time Pete says, hey, I say, not nah. <laughs> And every time Carol says, see, I say, not see. That's kind of a strange way of being. But um, we are capable of very being very quickly and very deeply conditioned. 
especially now when there's a lot of fear around. But that fear can also expose the contradictions because there's more energy and there's more willingness to look at basic things because we're afraid. We, me, a scale and index of ten to zero. Well, in the orchestra of life, the world is sound. Now, say we're sitting in an orchestra, say, of ten, or make it fifty, make it a hundred, a Mahler, almost a Beethoven. Beethoven wouldn't have gone beyond, what, beyond forty or fifty. So there's always, when you call that, um, most of the classic descriptive terms in music are, of course, uh, uh, Italian in origin. So we pause a moment and think of our Italian brothers and sisters. They lost a thousand people yesterday. That was the BBC report. One day, more than a hundred doctors have died. Young and old, every doctor I heard interviewed said the virus is not just affecting the weaker and the elderly, but also now evidently, for them it's not evidently, it's just a fact, younger people. And now New York City, they're so incredibly behind the curve, the exponential curve. 28% of people being tested are coming out positive. Half the deaths are below the age of 45. And they're just getting started. Well, we and me in the orchestra, it's called in Italian a tutti, all together. Well, I would suggest in English-speaking culture, we hardly know what the hell that is, a tutti. In Italy, they certainly do. Italy is bad but not as bad as the English-speaking cultures. Now, why would that be? Part of it is this uh, uh, legacy of British Empire, which has been going on for a long, long time. Part of it is this uh, despicably corrupt Protestant culture, which is the very essence of... Uh, dividing the world in an inappropriate way, as soon as you have the name of a religion, any organized religion, you have the problem of arbitrary division between believers and not believers. That's one of the reasons why organized religion is the very essence of violence, in my view. We're not playing the two guns pointed at each other. We're suggesting that in a dialogue circle, you throw out an idea, a way of looking, a theory. We're saying all religions are violent, necessarily so. 
So then you start to go into the logic of it and look at the actual facts and you tap them one by one. We're coming back to our orchestra duty. You tap them one by one and sense how they resonate with the ground of truth without saying that you know what that ground is. So you neither fall back into relativism or just uh, say, this is too complicated, I can't deal with this. But you want to understand it. And the primary energy in dialogue comes from that we know damn well uh, that whatever is out there isn't working. So tutti, all together. Well, music, that's one of the most primary relationships. There's a robin just waking up. You hear that little whinny, maybe they'll come over and talk to us. That's one of the most primary relationships. I recently heard, even while up here at um, end of winter lower base camp, I heard a um, fine, without being critical, a fairly good performance of uh, Beethoven. I won't say what symphony, but in any symphony, just pull out a record or a CD or listen to it. On YouTube or wherever, there are thousands of recordings, far too many, but just take any recording, it doesn't matter, and just take that theme and try listening to it. You see, this is how uh, good conductors learn to uh, sharpen their perception, because this rhythm of tutti to individual in music is a crucial um, rhythm that plays itself out at all levels of time and space. So you have to have a very sharp sense of it. And the tutis uh, is when everything comes together. Now what's magnificent in Beethoven, he's the maestro of transition. And frequently what happens in a transition in our language of the circle and the square, is that the music loses its direction. That's because it's looking for a new direction, otherwise there wouldn't be a transition. And then at the same time it loses its density, becomes more open, so it's questioning. And then also at the same time it loses its amplitude or loudness, it becomes more hesitant. It's not shouting in that Beethoven 2D where the trombone players who've been playing poker and drinking and behind stage have to come out and do their little bit too and the, the timpani gets his wooden sticks and starts pounding on the <laughs> that kind of warlike uh, 2D that's common in the romantic area. Don't, don't forget he's waiting for Napoleon to liberate Devine. Well, um, 
No, it's more open and questioning. And frequently you'll get these, excuse me, these solos, of the, especially the wind instruments. Why the winds? So we're back into the forest, the bois, the sound of the solo. There it is, that word. It's a round back and forth of tutti and solo. Another very good Italian word. Individual, collective, collective, individual. Well, in music, that's a primary, large-scale rhythm. And we, by and large, have lost our sense of it. Um, very rarely do you hear uh, younger composers, and because I do a lot of teaching more and more with um, younger uh, people, it's one of the one things that I love to call attention to. Where is that rhythm of tutti and solo? Well, after years of um, trying to build an orchestra, some, or, uh, some conductors, they exploit orchestras, and other ones, there are very few, build orchestras. Now, who do I think of? The great Nicolas uh, Arlencourt, who just recently passed away, of Concentus Musicus being... In what I do, new music, there's no one who has reached that stature in building an ensemble, an orchestra um, for new music. So one of the things you're always concerned about if you're building an orchestra is that everybody, including those two tubas in the back there, that percussionists that specialize in African drumming, the violinist who um, studied with Yehuda Menuhin and would much rather play Bach than your music. You're all you're always concerned. The orchestra is a circle, and everyone is radically equal. We're all brothers and sisters, and everyone must have a voice. And sometimes, for everyone to have a voice, we all shout and yell and play uh, together. And sometimes we shut up and listen to the contribution of the individual oboist. Another great composer, just as great, if not in the present era, far more relevant, is Edgar Varese. Most people listening to this will have no idea who Varese is, but just take any piece and listen to the dynamic, that is the back and forth, of, again, relationship between individual and collective. Okay, so we got that. We're listening to our Beethoven and Verez. 
And let's forget about music for a moment and focus on relationship. So in English-speaking cultures, let's pick on them again. So you have empire. Well, that will corrupt anything. Um, I'm sitting in a place that is just full of scars of the Jeffersonian concept of uh, empire that's going to be a benevolent patriarchy and tell the natives that we're here to protect you. So if you were Nimipu, Nez Perce of this area, you were given a medal with on one side the uh, uh, profile of Jefferson and on the other side two hands shaking with a peace pipe. So they're coming in, but they know damn well that their idea of relationship is that they, they're taking, they not only want to take over the place, they are taking over the place. So, uh, but their Protestant metaphysics tell me you can't kill them outright. You gotta convert them, <laughs> but it's uh, uh, the very essence of violence that's uh, never healed because we never uh, have been man and woman enough to face up to it. So we're living in a festering pit of contradictions here in the Pacific Northwest. But that's why these times of crisis are so interesting, because all these contradictions become self-evidently clear. Well, we empire, so that's clear enough. Uh, organized religion, well, that's getting clearer. Democracy. One person, one vote. Well, we all know the principle. So when English-speaking countries look at Asian countries, uh, one of the things that they find difficult to understand, and I'm not claiming to understand it um, with direct experience, but looking at it uh, philosophically, it seems obvious in a way. They'll use um, highly loaded by definition, corrupting tags to understand what's going on. Well, they'll say, well, okay, that's an authoritarian, top-down government that's entirely, the me has become we. So it's a ten we, zero me. The rights of the individual are no longer relevant, important. So we're very confused about that right now because everybody knows that we can only, <laughs> there we have it, that we can only deal with a, this crisis of this uh, new unknown virus attacking us collectively. In each and every culture, even just the Western cultures, the French, Italian, the Germans, the uh, British, the Dutch, the Americans, they're all approaching it in sometimes radically different ways. 
that are highly revealing and our touchstone is how the approaches long short midterm resonate with the ground of truth now how do we know that that's also why in times of crisis it's extremely excitingly interesting because these contradictions the tears phrase and the rope and don't forget there's an urgency that rope breaks we're gone so in that urgency we're looking at it We, me, we're getting a little bit of sun peeking under the stratus. Relationship, we, me, democracy, democracy is about that balance of the we and the me. Perhaps we, I'm just thinking out loud, let's just say for now, it's a marvelous dynamic balance of five to five. That's a good orchestra. Take a big band. I just recently heard the great uh, Wynton Marcellus one of the finest trumpet players and musicians of all time, with his Lincoln Center big band playing at the equally marvelous, astounding achievement of the Germans in Hamburg of the Alpe Philharmonie, the new uh, concert hall. And you can listen to that performance, I think it's still online, and just listen to how much attention they give between the collective and the individual. When you get into the jazz world, it's very much more alive. So uh, the soloist is that's when they get their chance to step out and sing for the whole. And when the tutti plays, the collective, they're singing for the individual. Think of that. And every single piece, this is a two-hour concert with a packed concert hall, How long is it going to be before all our musician brothers and sisters are back into these concert halls? Well, we don't know, do we? But it's a very great collective achievement of uh, German culture. There are still pockets of resistance in German culture that take their Beethoven and Bach and perhaps even Stravinsky and Varese seriously. Well, that concert hall took 12 years to build with many setbacks, cost two-thirds of a billion euros, I think. And now everybody can't believe it, that they actually did it. Well, in North America, unfortunately, because of this um, scourge of um, that in living our individual lives, we haven't been paying attention properly 
to collective freedom, so protecting the common ground, like the ground I'm sitting on is very much overgrazed, but the, the common grounds of the airwaves. Go back and listen to the talks of uh, President Kennedy, 62, 63, when the uh, public broadcasting in North America was just coming into being, how anxious they were to use that for the uh, public good and to protect it from what they saw were the self-evident, self-interested, uh, potential ravaging by the uh, commercial media at that time, let alone what it has become. Well, because we haven't been protecting it, we have these scourges uh, that should be prohibited the way the Murdoch... Uh, um, Empire, Rupert Murdoch, that uh, brother Rupert, we could say, that's gone very much um, wrong with a totally corrupt idea of what it is to present news to the world simply from a uh, ideological perspective, simply from the point of view of their own agenda and um, conditioning not just the individual but uh, public discourse. So again, our touchstone, let's step back, is the ground of truth. Philosophically, you call that uh, truth in function. So we actually want to see how we're working. In music, truth and function is about resonance with the ideal sound, which is never achievable, but we all sense what that ideal balance, sound, intonation. So we're constantly tuning our instrument, constantly. Even during that Beethoven or Stravinsky Verez concert. Again, I hope you listen to Wynton Marcellus and that big band. It's a tremendous achievement. And listen to it from the point of view of we and me, the tutti and the soloist. Well, poor Rupert Murdoch, the 70% of media in Australia here, the despicable Fox News. This area here where I'm sitting is, uh, you, you can have an index for that, it's 90% uh, conditioned and polluted. Uh, by uh, uh, Rupert Murdoch media. So it's very deeply a part of why we are in the... I'm not blaming it on them, but it's a part of the ecology of corruption, which is so polluted, polluted public discourse and energized. There you have it. And we're coming close to our coda our tale, our end of this dialogue tape. Polluted public discourse, so this war on science. Well, all of a sudden, the emperor has no clothes, and he's like, well, gee, what the hell did... 
without science, we're goners. Everybody senses that instantly. So the whole world is holding its breath, including the people at Fox News. So they've been spreading this nonsense in complete and utter self-interest. And we're so stupid that we drink and imbibe and are can let ourselves be conditioned by this. Well, it's become so terrible here in rural America that you can't go anywhere without being attacked. That's their metaphysics. The Chinese virus. So you brought it in. If you're some sort, if they perceive you as a progressive, ah, it's you that brought it in because you're supporting that. You must be communist too. You see how that works. So we have no culture at all here when we need it most. We just have this attack dog, brown shirt, red hat culture that attacks everything and thinks it has the answers to everything. It's the very essence of arrogance and hubris. Well, the goddess of retribution, Nemesis, has struck. So war on science If you haven't read Metaphors We Live By, Johnson and um, It'll Come to Me, the other linguist, take time to get a copy at that. Is the library still open? Metaphors We Live By, one of the most powerful metaphors is life is war, the two guns pointed at each other. Life is a game of winners and losers. That's the White House right now. Well, that is not much of a collective, isn't it? <laughs> is it? So if music is sitting, standing in that circle, performance circle, which I would suggest it is. That's going to be a pretty ugly music, isn't it? This music is war. There's a, quite a bit of that in Beethoven. How long is he going to keep pounding that timpani in our ear? There's not a trace of it in Stravinsky. Music is war. So they're called uh, controlling metaphors. I don't want to go into that. That'll be another dialogue tape. That our war on nature, which in my view is an illusion, that's because a war always assumes a radical division, which in many cases is not the case, that is an illusion. So if you're dealing with an illusion, something which is has a reality, but which is untrue, as we say philosophically, has zero truth and function, that just means it's totally out of tune. <laughs> so if you're listening to it, looking at it philosophically, you see the contradictions. 
if you don't look at it philosophically, we're all philosophers. You do philosophy. And that's an ethical responsibility, because otherwise we're just led astray, for example, by Rupert Murdoch Media. They're calling it the Murdoch Summer from Hell. Rupert Murdoch is more, I'm not picking on him individually, but it's an evil energy which is simply um, thought gone wrong, which can manifest in any individual, just like an illness in one of those individual aspen trees. It manifests in the individual, and we're all susceptible to that. And when we all look at it collectively, thinking out loud, we can spot that and help each other. So there are a lot of big questions here. A war on a virus? It's not possible. So what is the proper metaphor? The symphony of life. When something goes out of balance, this virus is pointing to imbalances. Too many people living in the wrong way, at the wrong time, being unprepared. And now it's way too late, so we're fighting about how much money we're going to throw at it and giving primary attention to the economic ravages. Don't forget about those hundred highly trained Italian doctors now dead. So, me and we. So let's finish this up with looking at China. Well, that's 5,000 years plus of Confucian Taoist culture. And there are two ways of looking at we from the Chinese perspective. And I'll just suggest them so you can meditate on this. Uh, in the West, we tend to, oh, well, that's communist. But no, it's uh, that certainly plays a role. And in philosophy, we don't defend or attack. We just describe and want to understand. So this sense of we is naturally innate. It's because really consciousness is like that aspen grove. It's coming from a common ground and manifest in the individual. So uh, that's not scientific American metaphysics. It's saying consciousness is much, much more then what, this is no longer Rupert Murdoch, this is the dominant science in Western culture, then what Western culture is making of it. So this problem 
of the tutti and the soloist, the collective and the individual, the we and the me, the sound of a big band, and the sound of the trumpet soloist is a perennial problem. So all cultures have been asking this question. It's a key feature of the great North American tradition of transcendentalism, individual freedom in relationship to the collective. Well, with Confucius, as I understand it, which is so much a part of Eastern Chinese culture, Japanese culture, you have this top-down pyramid. And I just want to say this very quickly, and I have absolutely no right to speak because I don't speak Mandarin, and I've never been to China, but do study it. Is that from the emperor to the father, the father to the son, the son to the second son, and so forth. So you see there's um, a pyramid of dominance that holds the whole together and instantly, without thinking, makes relationship for all those within that pyramid, not a circle, but a pyramid, it makes your relationship obvious in responsibilities, duties, privileges, and all the rest of it. Now, I'm not going to say whether that is good or bad. Obviously, where are the women in this? And what, where did the emperor come from in the first place? That's why Chinese and Confucian culture it makes a very interesting composite. Well, up here, we're very much more in the Taoist line of thing, things. So uh, we're in the circle of nature, and we're saying, whoa, you can't control anything. So there are many contradictions in the Confucius way of looking. But there is one thing that's very crystal clear, is that the we in a moment of crisis is crucially important. But where does this energy of we, now this is very subtle, so I'll do it slowly and we'll end with that. Let's talk about music again. You see, an orchestra traditionally is that pyramid, so it's not the emperor, it's the conductor. You walk into the Cleveland Orchestra, this is how I was trained, and I actually see saw it every week, it was different. So there's a naive cliff sitting in the great severance hall and having that privilege. I can't even imagine it now. But sitting there in a hall that can hold thousands of people, completely alone, looking at my score and listening to and watching the conductors very carefully. And each one would assume that role of emperor, general, president, whatever we want, pope, uh, for a week. The one who's in absolute control. Well, in um, that dynamic is the def defining dynamic 
of Western musical culture when we have large groups, right? So, over the past half century, in new music, that's been questioned. You see, in the people who play Beethoven, it's been questioned a little bit. With Nikolaus Arnenkort, certainly, because that's, with the Baroque music, they did question it, because those are smaller ensembles. But the relationship of the Pope, the General, the President, the Emperor, to the whole, well, if it's a strict pyramid, if you want to look at a strict pyramid, take a dollar bill, if you have one around, and flip it over to what's called the Great Seal, which is a very recent or origin, and you see that eye that's been cut off from the top of the pyramid. It's a very strange geometry. Shall I say that? I call it the omnipotent eye of control. So it's the eye of God. It's the very essence of organized religion, that God is out there somewhere and separate from us and controlling us. And, uh, well, that's what conductors traditionally do. And then all of a sudden, people discovered, well, gee, this isn't democracy. This is dictatorship. And they're absolutely right. So is there a different way of doing music? You better believe there's a different way of music. But it has many implications. Once you turn it into a circle, you can't have really more than 24 people, just thinking out loud. And the bigger it gets, the more that you have to go into this authoritarian uh, structure. But the first thing people realize is, gee, we're all sitting here together at the same level at a radically equal relationship level in a circle. So conductors, do we even know? Many, many excellent orchestras now play without conductors. And... Um, so what does this have to do with China, you ask? Everything. Because this pyramid of control is inherently violent. But there can be the... If that's coming from... And this will end with this. This is very subtle. That means that it might be difficult, but only at first that the energy, there are only two possibilities, that energy and meaning and movement come from within, that's real music, or it comes from without, that is false music. Why? Because it's completely mechanical. There's no listening there is zero truth and function, uh, but there's order. A dictatorship is a kind of order. In a crisis situation, we have to be very careful that we don't degenerate into a dictatorship just to survive. There's tremendous potential in everything we think, say, and do in this new corona era, however long that's going to last.
Don't forget coronavirus is just a dress rehearsal for climate crisis. Let that sink in. So I would suggest the key feature of revolution, change of consciousness, education, listening, the arts, is this difference. I just did a piece on that. It's called Limit 576, a somewhat obscure title. But it's an interesting piece. It's a part of that Dragon Tail Orchestra. So, a little um, plug for that piece. You can listen to it on SoundCloud. But the difference between limit and control, well, philosophically, we don't talk about that, but we should, because it's crucially important in everything that we do. That orchestra dealing with a crisis, if that meaning is shared, if that energy like that aspen grove comes from the ground up, everybody is together in a non-authoritarian way. That is the circle of life. There's no God out there controlling the show. There's no conductor controlling the show. We might need leaders just to organize things, but they're deep things, but they're deeply resonant with the ground of truth. And that is a new style of leadership that we are seeing manifest in this moment of crisis. You see, all these different contradictory nation-states are dealing with this problem differently. So there's China. Where would you put their we-me index? Well, I would say nine we, one me. And anybody of Western culture would say, oh, good God, how can they put up with that? And partly right and partly wrong. I don't think, and that means that we don't understand what we can learn from it. And we don't understand what we could do better. What we're looking for is this dynamic five-five. This dynamic five-five. So sometimes it's ten, and then it comes back to five. Sometimes it's zero the other way, zero me, and then it comes back to five. And it's instantly ready to go. Why? Because at a very deep level, we share meaning, we share energy, and we have that capability to move. So, in North America, in the United States, it has degenerated to the point where we're uh, incapable of doing anything together. At the very moment that we have to do things together. And so, all of these contradictions, like how we've totally, um, in an ethically indefensible way, have not covered the backs of our healthcare workers. So they're now on the front lines. See, now that's a, 
the virus, we're fighting the virus in a war. Metaphor. On the cutting edge of dealing with the ravages of a new unknown threat. Whereas if had there been real leadership of the collective, we would have been preparing this, preparing for this for not just months, but years in advance. So you can see North American culture is very much zero we and tin me. And it's degenerated into an utterly despicable, egotistical, narcissistic, Ayn Rand corruption. Like I say in that one miniature that tries to get a hold of um, hydrocarbon man, secular Christian, money has replaced meaning. The self-centered me has replaced God. Pleasure has replaced ethics. Well, the center of that miniature, the me has replaced God, that the divine that's now become self-evident. So it will collapse. Why? Because it has zero truth. So all this lying you can get away with and all of this war on science you can get away with until you have a crisis. Well, that's now come home to roost. So think about it. The we-me index. Okay, that's enough for now. So this is Cliff signing off for the picture-poems.com website and the circle in the square. So I'll post this to SoundCloud. It's a little bit longer than I wanted. But spread the word. The we-me index, just four steps. It's a simple yet very necessary idea in trying to not just understand the current crisis, which at a certain point is going to pass, uh, but we have very many more crises uh, headed our way, and so it's best to make the best of them, to let it bring out not just the best of us, but to protect that sacred circle of life. Ciao for now. Stay safe.